to another episode of Sweet Valley Online. This week, we're discussing Sweet Valley Twins number 45, Lucy Takes the Reins. I'm Dove, and I couldn't care less whether Lucy takes the reins. I'm here with my not-so-evil twins, Wing and Raven. I'm Wing, and this is not my kind of horseback riding. I'm Raven, and horses can fuck off. Wow, we're off to a great start. I don't like horses. I got bitten by one. I really like horses. I just don't like horses in Sweet Valley. I love horses and like it when they bite people. Look, we have the whole gamut. Lucy Takes the Reins is about the titular Lucy taking the titular reins despite her angsty backstory. But who cares about that when the B-plot is about an oil spill that hits Sweet Valley Beach, covering the beach, the rocks and the wildlife with foul toxins and taking the lives of otters and seals. Jessica and Lila visit the beach and are horrified by the oil spill. Lila does what all fowlers do in these types of situations. She considers buying a private beach. Jessica, on the other hand, saves a baby seal and finds herself suddenly filled with a strong desire to protect and save the environment. She joins the cleanup crew and visits the aquarium daily to check on her baby seal, who she named Whiskers. Whiskers is in perilous condition thanks to BP and their blatant disregard for... (sighs) All right, I'll cover both stories, but only because I'm scared of Wing. Things are going wrong at Carson Stables. Ted has fallen behind on his payments for stabling Thunder there. And if he doesn't come up with the money soon, he'll have to sell Thunder, his beloved steed. Or to put it another way, Elizabeth Wakefield is going to have to start fucking paying for her riding lessons again. But all is not lost. There's some kind of punter trials jumpy thingy they don't really clarify. And the prize money would clear Ted's debt. And Elizabeth can carry on riding Thunder without paying a single cent for the privilege. Elizabeth arrogantly offers to help Ted train for the trials by lurking around the stables and asking to ride Thunder. It is during one of her lurking sessions that they meet another lurker, Lucy Benson, who claims to be a very good rider, but clams up when asked about her horse and refuses to mount even the amazing Thunder. Ellen Reitman is also entering the competition and seems to develop a personal beef against Lucy and finally goads her into getting onto Thunder, which she does and completes three jumps flawlessly. But then tragedy strikes. Ted falls off Thunder and breaks his leg. Oh noes! He can no longer compete and Thunder will surely be sold to pay off the debts. St Wakefield suggests Lucy ride on Ted's behalf, but Lucy refuses. After far too much faffing around, Lucy finally relents and later explains that she has epilepsy and her parents sold her horse and won't let her ride and blah, blah, blah. And the doctor says it's fine and I don't give a shit. Thankfully, on the day of the show, Lucy wins, whatevs. And as we all know, winning solves fucking everything. That's why the Wakefields do it all the time. Whatevs. The baby still lives. That's exciting. And Jessica bursts into tears when he is set free and goes back to his little seal family and that's really sad. So I take it you didn't like the A plot? Couldn't give a shit. But you're a horsey person. You have this book because of the A plot. Me being a horsey person is exactly why I can't deal with this fucking bullshit. I love Grapplegate, but they are not horse writers. If you're a horse writer, you stick in that genre and you do it well. They are just great in tween and young adult, but they're not horse writers. I don't actually get whether this is an American versus British thing or whether it's 
solely because Grapplegate don't do horse stories. Um, but the way that everyone seems to regard horse riding as it's basically like the karate kid um on the special features it says that all the belts were invented for america because america didn't like doing anything without getting rewarded for it and having something to go this is how good i am at it that's a fair point <laughs> it feels like exactly the same mentality in this it's like lucy is a good rider you don't see it demonstrated but lucy has 18 blue ribbons Susan has four blue ribbons. Ergo, Lucy is better than Susan. It's it's just, I just want everyone dead. <laughs> that is a very American mindset. I mean, yes, I think that is. If the ribbon thing or the competition thing is a part of your problem with the A-flat, that is very much an American mindset. We're taught from very young ages, you have to compete, you have to be the best. Even though the mocking thing in the past 10 years has been everybody gets a participation trophy and nothing matters anymore. No, the story is still you win, you're the best, that's the right thing to do. So yeah, I definitely think that mindset is the American cultural story versus the UK cultural story. I've been meaning to sort of like say this. I think last time we had the horse uh, horse book discussion, um, you told me, Wing, that everyone just rides horses. Nobody does the pony thing. It's straight on to horses. That's, that's not a thing in England. British mentality of horse riding is, I've had a lovely day. I feel like a winner just for being here. Um, you know, it's it's not you, you come to win because that is called pot hunting and it's really bad form. Only the worst people do it. Like if you go there with the intention to win for the glory of winning, that's bad. If you go there with the intention of doing your best and, you know, showing yourself and your, your horse to the best advantage, that's fine. But to, to go in with that winning mentality, like I must take first, it's just hideous. You're despised, uh, which is probably why we don't like America so much. I'm going to quote probably about a hundred different wrestlers I've heard on wrestling podcasts the past couple of years, which is if you don't want to win, hang up your boots because you don't belong in the ring. That is such an American mentality that you have to, if you're not there to win, why are you doing this thing? And it's toxic and it's horrific and it especially rolls into toxic masculinity in a lot of sports. So yeah, I don't disagree with your disdain for that mindset, but that is absolutely where these authors are coming from. Even if they don't realize it, just culturally, that idea of winning is baked into how we do everything. You have to really fight to overcome that. I think on one of the last horsey podcasts, Wing, you told me that Americans just go straight onto horses. Like you are baffled by the concept of, of all of us riding ponies. Um, again, America versus England. That is such bad form. It is really bad form to overmount yourself, i.e. be on a horse that is too large or too boisterous for you. It's bad form because it's not showing the horse any respect. It's not showing other people any respect. You should be on the horse that is right for you. So it was very common for people's second horse to second horse in speech marks to actually still be a pony because that's all they needed. 
except for when people were getting really serious about competing. But for the most part, pretty much everyone I know didn't go that route. I only know like one or two people who went that route and even they dropped out of it quite early because it was hard going, obviously, and not for them. But obviously throughout this book, everyone's like prancing past on a magnificent Arab horse and you're like, stop being a cock. Year 12, ride a Welsh mountain. So I will say that the Arab horse thing makes me think that that is just non-horse people writing a book because that is super rare. And I mean, maybe, so again, I guess to just clarify, I don't write Eastern style or British style, that sort of dressage and things like that. I write Western. I grew up with Western horses. I grew up in a part of the country where Western is the default. So I suppose you could have all these super fancy Arabs everywhere in the horse English horse style riding world that's what everybody competes on but in general I'm thinking not (laughs) uh it'd be like saying you have a thoroughbred racehorse in your eventing stable like I just don't think that's a thing that's happening even here the pony versus horse thing honestly I have seen like an actual life on for uh in actual life on farms I have seen exactly one pony my entire life Uh, It was not a riding pony. It was a pet pony. And like an actual people on ponies. The only time I've ever seen that is in like carnivals that have pony rides where they're attached to a thing and they just walk in a circle. Never an actual person riding a pony for riding points. And I, but I've been looking it up because again, I don't write English. So I don't know if that sort of dressage based stuff, uh, eventing, jumping, all of that if they started ponies. And so far, I'm not finding anything that they do. I looked into what the US Pony Club is about, and it's not based on what type of animal you're riding at all. It's just based on your age. So talk to me, is the British Pony Club based on what kind of horse, like whether you're riding a horse or a pony? Okay. No, it's not. But um, I believe that some events possibly are dictated by the size of the horse or the pony. Um, For those not well-versed in horses, um, a pony, oh God, I can't remember whether it's up to or including. Let's go with including. Um, A pony is up to and including 14.2 hands high. One hand high is four inches. Um, And after that, it is a horse. But to be honest, like literally everyone in England, anyone who's ever had a single solitary pony ride will probably have had it on a Shetland. Literally everyone with an interest in, in ponies, however brief, has ridden a Shetland. And then, yeah, it's just because we breeds. I don't know, because like... The Welsh sections A to D are very popular for, um, because Fancy was a Welsh mountain, Nessa was a Shetland. We definitely have Shetland ponies. I mean, I think that's, the Shetland is the one that I'd seen in, like, just random life. But yeah, maybe. I mean, when you hear about horse breeds here, it's about horses, not about the pony side. Also, just so I had to clarify for people who aren't horse people, you don't measure to the top of a horse's head. Oh, yeah. I could definitely see picturing very small horses. You measure to uh, their withers, Withers. which is, would you call that maybe this 
if for a non-rider, like their shoulders, was that a comparable? I would like, say kind of at it's the base the of bum, their neck, the base of the the neck before they dip down um, slightly their back. So yeah, it's not like you're measuring to the top of a, the horse's pointed ears, and they're very short. But uh, ponies are small. There's a picture in Dove's recap of Dove, very young Dove with a pony, uh, which I think just completely fills this idea of the English and their little ponies when they start to ride. There's a picture of baby wing on a big horse. So I'm going to have to try to find that and pop it in too, which I think just is going to very clearly show the difference in what's going on in this conversation. I tell you what, every, well, I was going to say every non-Brit, but sod it, everyone, run off to thelwell.co.uk, T-H-E-L-W-E-L-L.co.uk, and have a look at the cute little pictures, because his pony art is genuinely a part of all all horsey people's culture, like literally everyone has a couple of books by Thelwell. Um, a few people argue over where, whether you say it's Thelwell or Thelwell, but there's a fucking L in it, so I'm saying Thelwell. So I think... Overall, this book had literally everything guaranteed to piss me off. It had kids over-mounting themselves on purebred horses. It had that win-win-win mentality. It had trash talking, which is just about the most thing a British equestrian can possibly comprehend. And yes, I did use my Kent accent then, just point. It. And also, I, I really didn't give a shit about Lucy and her epilepsy. I mean, Raven and I were talking and uh, about my short temper when it comes to certain tropes in media. And largely this came about because of my virulent hatred of Joey Potter in Dawson's Creek and how much I hate the dead parent trope. And I asked Raven, does he have anything that pisses him off so much? And he was like, well, no, except for the weird fat bloke in in Disney films. There's always like a little fat dude who doesn't look human. That pisses Raven off. And then I say, is it it because you're like a straight, white, cis, non-disabled male? And like all of your other representation, you know, you've got hope of. Whereas, for example, I am never going to see my disability ever represented. I can guarantee you that. Uh, Unless Wing gets published, in which case I will. I'm basically pinning all my hopes on Wing. So possibly I was just, yeah. (laughs) So possibly I was just like, you know, fuck this bitch and her very common, um, I don't want to say disability, but, you know, medical situation. That's been dealt with loads of times. Like, everyone fucking knows about epilepsy. Fuck this bitch. Where's my representation? Grumpy 11-year-old Dove is fucked off. Did they? I mean, uh, at the time, was there a bunch of representations of epilepsy? I seem to remember it being, like, um, a very special episode on... Like, Neighbours and Home and Away, maybe. Not so much a very special episode, because they're a soap opera. They don't have time for that shit. Right. Every episode is a very special episode. Also, um, there were like three people in my class with epilepsy. So um, on the average week at school, I would get to see three or four collapses and seizures. I'm like, 
I only know one person with my disability. And the reason I know her is because our mums met in the hospital and they kept bumping into each other because our appointments were always scheduled. It's it's not because I've randomly gone out into the world and gone, oh, you have CHD? I have CHD. Let's be best friends. I honestly have to say, when you were saying, I only know one person with my display, I was like, you mean yourself? <laughs> <laughs> is that where this is going? <laughs> But, you know, at least there's one other person, you know, I suppose. Yeah. I could definitely see when you when you have no representation anywhere and then you're seeing other representation everywhere, it feels like. I could see why Baby Dove was super unhappy with this. Yeah. So, generally speaking, the A-plot did nothing for me. Do you guys have any opinions? Or, you know, do the entire podcast by myself because apparently Gobby Do- Dove is in the uh, house. <laughs> I mean, Dove goes boom. We've been waiting for this for a long time now. So on the one hand, I'm excited to let you go. On the other hand, I do also love horses uh, and had a brother-in-law die from epilepsy. So (laughs) I have some thoughts on this. (laughs) Well, I I feel like an asshole now. (laughs) No, don't. Definitely don't. Don't. (laughs) That's not what I was hitting at. (laughs) Well, personally, my take on the book was, uh, I mean, horses... Horses aren't my thing. I'm sorry. I quite like ponies, <laughs> as in my little ponies. But um, horses in general, I'm just like, eh, yeah. It's like, oh, this book's about figure skating. All right, then. This book's about abseiling. Fine. This book's about horses. Yeah, all right. You know, there's no, no, nothing exciting there for me. Nothing. But nothing. Although, I, yes, I have been bitten by a horse. But to be fair, I've bitten by lots of things. So, you know, I, I was just... Nah, I quite enjoyed Alan being bitchy. I know a lot of... Uh, I know that you, Dove, don't enjoy Alan being bitchy, but I quite enjoyed it. Um, I also... I really enjoyed the denouement to the book with the unicorns watching the horse... Horse off, or whatever the show is at the end. The jump off. Yeah, <laughs> oh, the I jump off the at the end. Off. And then Alan was doing really, really well in the tie-break situation or whatever it was. And then all the... Um, all the unicorns went, go, Alan, and give her a big cheer. And the horse got so scared, it sort of pulled up at, a, at the fence and, and bucked Alan off, and she flew off, and then she just was just chasing them around the <laughs> around the paddock or whatever that it is. I thought that was really image. good. That, that made me laugh so a lot. Um, but other than that, I mean, Ted Rogers can do one. I'm not really that bothered. Did, didn't he have, you know, he, he fell off and broke his leg, yeah? Yeah. Wasn't he injured in the first one as well? Didn't he, didn't he have a bad leg in that? No, he, he has an he, ongoing. Yeah, he breaks his bad leg. Well, if he yeah. keeps injuring like himself with horses, maybe leg. it's not his career. Take up macrame, mate. Do something different. Put down the, the, the pitchfork and the hay. I am we not getting behind that. put aside but, our uh, Because <laughs> um, I was told to stop riding horses because of my disability. So I'm actually going to... Even I'm not saying oh, no, 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 no. That's that's unfair. I'm not saying he should stop because he's disabled. I'm saying he should stop because he keeps falling off the horses. That's fair. Well, that's why they would tell her to stop because the fear is that. That's why they told Lucy to stop. The fear is that you'll fall off horses because of this thing that you have. And I think that people get to choose whether they take that risk or not. There's always a risk that you'll fall off a horse and do serious injury. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. You don't tell people to stop falling off the horses if they have an illness that is, you know, 
holding them back in inverted commas in there. What right. I'm saying is, you tell people to stop if they keep getting on horses and keep falling off because they're shit. They just can't do it. It's like, yeah, you know, not everyone's going to win the blue ribbon, mate. Go on, do something else. Yeah, I'll totally agree with that. Yeah, we we let him do it. Uh, you know, his disability will not hold him back. His no. complete idiocy and ineptitude yeah. might. His lack of talent will <laughs> hold him back. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, while uh, Ravens brought up Ellen, uh, one thing I will have to say, and I put this uh, um, as a disclaimer on the um, recap, is that I try and view Ellen around horses as a separate entity to the Ellen we see at school because Ellen at school is very much like the beta. She follows Lila and Jessica's every bitchy whim. She does what they say. She's a bit stupid. She doesn't always understand what we're being mean about, but boy, will she do it. But it never occurs to her to, she never has no thought by herself. So it's really weird that when she gets to the stables, she turns into like, Jessica and Lila combined, she becomes this utter horror show filled with manipulative and spiteful schemes. She's found her niche. I kind of love that she is so in control in the stables. Like she's just no longer this shadow behind much stronger personalities, but that she lets hers come out because it's hilarious. She's actually quite good at the old riding as well, to be fair, because although she's nasty to the horse, she can she can leap and I don't know what, 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 what she can prance well and she if can she's nasty canter, to the house whatever horses do nasty, to, nasty the house. to the house nasty to the house go to your bedroom bedroom <laughs> she's leaping and prancing so I don't think you get to mark if she's nasty to the horse it just means she can bully and beat a horse around a riding um, a showing ring or, you know, a set of jumps. It doesn't necessarily mean that she's a good rider. I mean, because you don't actually, unless America's different, you don't get any points for being good at it. You just get points for staying on and making sure that the horse doesn't knock anything down, which a horse can do when they've been sort of like beaten into terrified submission. So she could be all arms and elbows. She could be flying up out of the saddle as she goes over and crashing back down, which is fucking hideous and very ugly to watch. She could be doing all sorts of things wrong, but as long as she sticks on until she, and you know, until the end of, the last jump then she is considered doing well it doesn't necessarily mean that she's a good rider like it's not a showing class right okay but dressage and stuff it that is more about dressage form, is definitely about form um i can't imagine that any of the sweet valley kids would be there yet they'd be much better off in like small showing classes this this event seemed to just be about jumping it wasn't very clear i mean i don't think we even got a name of what it was called so i just put it down as horse show on our site well that's pretty much what it would just be called in these books and also of course it's just jumping that's the interesting part of that sort of style at least in kind of casual parlance here like dressage is boring and I don't even know what else would happen. But jumping is, you know, exciting. You get to watch a horse leap over Wouldn't it be things. amazing if the WWE did, like, show jumping events? And it's like, and now we have ultimate show jumping. 
And they have like that the horses, yeah. Amazing. Your horse is your horse is nothing, dude. Your horse is lame. My horse is a stallion and all that sort of stuff. That'd be really cool. <laughs> your gelding can do nothing. I take it I've shown you guys hip hop dressage, haven't I? Yes, you have. Yes. And I mean I don't particularly think dressage is boring. I think it's Dressage is just teaching a horse how to be a crab. It's wrong. <laughs> dressage is ballet for horses. Um, it's not something I'd like to learn. I, I I would find it very boring to do, but it is very impressive to watch. Although I don't know how someone can sit through an entire day of events because like, when you've seen one one person do a program well, you're kind of like, yeah, that's that's pretty much what the rest of the day is going to look like. I'm, I'm done. Find me in the beer tent. I will say that, do you guys not have two different judging styles for jumps? Like, again, not super my area of expertise here, but I believe over here we have the style where, yes, the whole point is to just get over it without knocking anything down and to stay on the horse. And I think that's usually a speed trial. Uh, But then there is definitely the form-based jumping where your form and the horse's form are super judged. As far as I know, not really. I mean, I can... Like it sounds like you're describing show jumping versus cross country, but again, in show jumping, it's just like a much smaller, prettier course. It's like the ones with all the poles and the walls yeah, and the flowers ring. and shit. Yeah, but again, it doesn't really matter. It. I mean, obviously, horse of the year show, you're going to have to look spectacular. But um, at a lower level, as long as you you sort of stay on. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know enough about. English writing in the US to know how that all ties together, but that's interesting. Okay, let's see if we can tie it back into the book because we've talked a lot about the horses and horse race, horse jumping. <laughs> I and have stuff. been waiting for Raven to do that. Mm. <laughs> I was like, any minute now, Raven's going to try to loop us back. Well, into you know, the someone's got to take the reins in this book. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I want to divorce. Thank you very much. Can we much. talk about the plot that I like? Of course we can. Sure. Yay! Okay, this is literally the my ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, let's talk about that. This is my favourite Jess ever, Ecology Jess. Um, She saves a baby seal. And if your heart doesn't fucking melt through all of the Jess half of this book, you don't have one wing. I'm just assuming. My heart did not melt through the B plot of this book. I'm very sorry. (laughs) I mean, it was cute. uh, And it was fine. I I liked seeing Jess stand up to Lila always. I like it when those two clash. Especially when they also stay friends through it. But yeah, my heart did not melt. I like the way that um, the whole ecology thing started off. Uh, who's that cute boy on the beach? Let's go and talk to this guy, Adam. Oh, you're cleaning, I don't know, you're, you're cleaning oil off a, off a heron with a toothbrush. That's really sexy. Uh, you know, and then later Can on. Can I just say that that's actually a complete lie? No, it's not. I wasn't there a cute boy on the beach. I thought it was a... There Adam. was a cute boy on the beach, but he doesn't like rock up until after Jessica has saved the baby seal and completely ruined her outfit. That's why it was such a big deal. That's why I like went oh, on no, and on I about thought, it thought... in my recap. No, no, they go over there because of the cute boy. Yeah. She just cuts off to one side to save the seal while Lila goes off to talk to the cute boy. But they go yeah. over there in the first place because of the no. cute boy. Raven's right. Yeah, it's not. Um, it's because uh, they're doing something and they're going over to ask what's wrong with the beach and how quickly will it be fixed and should Lila buy a private beach in the meantime 
But it, it's not like... I do like Liza's Private Beach. Yeah, it's kind of like not cute boy driven. That's kind of like why it was... <clears throat> Uh, they looked as if they were high school or college age, except for one boy who appeared to be only a year or two older than Jessica and Lila. He was wearing black and turquoise swim trunks and a white tank top. His hair was long and just a bit darker than Jessica's. I think we should try and find out what's going on, Jessica said. And I'll bet I can guess who you want to ask, Lila replied with a smile. It is about going to talk to the cute boy, even as it is also about finding out what's going on because they can't swim. Not because of animals, because they can't swim. I, yeah, and I... I, I... I liked the fact that it, it, it sort of digressed from that. It became more than that, Me which was too. amazing. That was so true. The thing I liked about it was usually in this book, we would get a point of view chapter from Jessica about how exhausted she was trying to keep pretending that she gave a shit about the environment, trying to remember not to use paper napkins because Adam doesn't like it. You know, all the shit that we got with Josh in The Older Boy where she had to keep pretending to be older. But she didn't. Like, Jessica proper took this to heart. And, like, actually, Alice is, like, at some point, Alice says why don't you invite your friend Adam to, to dinner? And Jessica's like, fuck no, we're still using paper napkins. I'll invite him when we use cloth. And it's just kind of badass. Yeah, she is awesome. She is awesome. I, she she fully embraces it. And it's not just the, 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 oh, let's just toss it to one side, embrace it for, for the moment thing. And, uh, her, you know, visiting the, visiting the aquarium and sort of getting to feed whiskers and, Whiskers is only really happy, or it seems to improve when she's there. And you know, it's it, it is all very blessed. And yeah, and and when it when it all ends <laughs> at the end, and she's sort of waving Whiskers off, and Whiskers goes away, and she's just like, "Well, that's it then, <laughs> back back to normal." <laughs> as usual gotta reset that book i did really like that it started out as this selfish reason that then she just kept doing it and didn't i mean she ruined so many outfits and she gets elizabeth to go because like i already have ruined clothes for you don't worry about it like it was very unjust but in a great way like you could really see when she throws herself into things we've seen that before just in things that were still pretty self-serving whereas this is not yeah i just absolutely loved everything about this i also loved her massive lecture to steven like she just screams at him for uh trying to throw away an empty can of uh coke and she's like god damn it you can recycle that and the whole that b plot of the book is very you know captain planet-esque we have to recycle learn to recycle take away from this book and i do wonder how many people how many kids this was their first real look at the ideas behind recycling and oil spills being so dangerous and stuff like that. So it was almost a very special episode in itself, but because Grapplegate wrote it, they handled it deftly enough that it was just really fun and interesting. Even if my heart didn't melt. Sorry, Doug. What was the Exxon Valdez oil spill? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. 1989. When was this book released? So this would have come after that, probably. Because that was in March 1989, the Axon Valdez, and that was pretty big, wasn't it? That was, that was in, on its way to California. I don't know. I mean, it was pretty big, but I don't know that kids, then maybe California kids, but just uh, especially upper middle class kids, I don't know if that would have really been in there. This is why like, you need fair. Blue Peter. Like, 
because I, I yeah. remember finding out about oil spills and recycling through Blue Peter. I have no idea what that is. It's slang for a penis. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I don't think that's what Dove means. <laughs> we have an entire hour of um, deleted moments of us talking about a Blue Peter badge. It's like, yeah, oh, the badge. it's a okay. TV show. Um, it and it's on um, around say four thirty. Would you say? No, no, it's, no. It's on from. It, it, it's usually on five o'clock till half past five. It's the last thing on the pre-neighbours yeah. run. It was it was on after John Craven's news round. Is it still on? I don't know, but it was very socially responsible. Like it was always talking about recycling and how to get involved in the community and um fireworks safety around like um it just basically whatever was happening throughout the year, they would find a socially responsible message to give you and then teach you how to make something out of some coat hangers and and some tinsel and shit like that. Wow. The 1st of February 2018 marked Blue Peter's 5,000th episode. Wow. It's been going since 1958. I thought we looked this up last time that it was still on the air, so I'm glad you confirmed that. That's amazing. Though clearly all I've taken away from it is the fact that there were badges. Yeah. (laughs) And it gave you access to things or discounts or whatever. Yeah. I quite enjoyed the um, the almost brutal, um, no-nonsense approach that the people at the aquarium, the veterinarians or whatever they were at the aquarium had. Oh, yeah. Jessica would go there every day and um, rock up and go, oh, how's Whiskers? Is he getting better? And the person would say, no. <laughs> he's basically, he's got he's a, a 2% die. chance of living. And it, I mean, on the one hand, you could look at him living as just another Wakefield winning. Of course they have to win. But on the other hand, it is nice that they were very pragmatic about it and to see Jessica be the super optimistic one and I'll do whatever it takes and to even face the idea that she could do whatever it takes and do everything right and still maybe the animal will die. That's a huge lesson to learn. And not that I think it will carry outside of this book, but within the context of the story, that's a big thing for Jessica. That I'm going to have awesome. to pause for a second and take you back to something you just said then. You're saying that Whiskers' survival could have just been another example of the Wakefields winning. Did you want Whiskers to die, Wing? Is that what you're saying? Did you want the seal to die? The seal to get oil that in its would have lungs been more realistic. and cough up its spleen and die? That would have been more realistic. 2% chance of living? Yeah. Whiskers judges you. With his big sad eyes. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I bet all our <laughs> big, listeners... sad seal eyes. All our listeners are judging me too, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm glad he lived. I'm just saying it would have been more realistic. <laughs> I love the fact that uh, Jessica told Lila to get fucked. It was very satisfying. Yes, that um, was great. Was that on a footnote? Bloody hell. <laughs> it was while Whiskers was sick, um, before he'd even uh, successfully come through his surgery, and she phoned the aquarium and, um, you know, was told, well, you know, we don't know. Go about your life. I'll call you. And so she goes back into lunch and she's really sad. And Ellen says, what's up? And, Le- and Lila goes, oh, she's worried about her pet seal. Lol. And Jessica's just at, like, Basically, get fucked, you rich bitch. I will rip out your spleen and wear it as a very pretty bow in my hair. 
I mean, that's not exactly what she says because it's for a tween audience, but the subject is very real. It was great. It really was very great. It was a shame it was the B-plot, really. Yeah. I, I could have quite happily have had a book just called Jessica Saves Whiskers. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been fine. Jessica's uh, interest of the week is ecology and saving animals. That's making up slightly for the dog thing, but not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then in the background, some guff with a horse happens. <laughs> Dove would have preferred it that way. The horse book was just pointless. The, the horse half of the book just did not care. Just zero fucks given. Don't care if Ted loses his horse. It's about fucking time Liz paid for her own fucking um, riding lessons. Is there some sort of contractual obligation to do horse books? Girls like horses. Because they seem to sort of trot one on. Is that what it is? Probably. Horse books are very popular with this age group, especially when the bulk of the readers are girls, which they were. You see it pop up in Babysitter's Club, too. Uh, there was the whole Saddle Club was a huge I book series I feel like I'm not going to like that. That was about <laughs> horses, though, wasn't it? That, that's, that's, uh, that's fair. I mean, it's just sort of like, you know, just sort of like shoehorning a horse, horse love into, like, every 12th book is about horses. <laughs> well then yeah that was that was happened a lot there's definitely this which was big and the babysitter's club which was big has a, a number of subplots at least that kind of talk about specific characters loving horses and going to look at horses and taking riding lessons so they do pop up in almost in very special horse episodes there's a solid amount of these books that explore traditionally girly hobbies oh you like to dance here's a ballet book Oh, you like gymnastics? Here's the Boosters book. Would you like to be a, a famous actress? Here's the acting book. Do you want to be a singer? Here's the rock star book. You want to be a scientist? Do a science project and then we'll burn it down in Amy's house. Want to be an arsonist? Be friends with Amy. <laughs> yeah. You want to be a thief? Here's Tony. Want to be a slut? Learn to kiss. It doesn't... It's not on the cheek, it's on the mouth. Nice. I'm really upset that we... Besides the... Eastern German gymnastics. Want to be a traitor? It's in. the East Germans. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, we do. We got, oh, you like uh, gymnastics? Here, have a cheerleading book. While cheerleading is very important in a sport unto itself, it's not gymnastics, and I want a damn gymnastics book. <laughs> no, I think it's ballet. Um, I'm just doing a mental scan of upcoming books, and I think it's ballet also, there are again. more ballet books. Do we get to see Madame fucking Andre again? Well, I assume Mademoiselle Jessica probably has either France or ballet or both, but I don't know. Yeah. Dear America, what the fuck is your obsession with France? It's shit. France is great. Well, it's not shit, but it's it's not as great as America thinks it is. No, no, it's, it's, gra it, it's great because it's massively sarcastic. That's why France is great. Literally, don't give a fuck. Do not give a fuck. Hilariously, that's the part we don't like about it we like i mean i don't really care i don't actually like france very much uh not that i dislike it i just have no opinion but i think people like the fashion and the language seems very exotic uh and the food and yeah i could definitely see that it's kind of that obsession with europe you see in say the point horror books narrowed down you've heard of is it is it um, i think on, on qi the syndrome is it paris syndrome or tokyo syndrome I think it's Paris syndrome. It's an actual syndrome, an actual thing. It's where Japanese tourists go to France and are so shocked that the service is awful and the 
the people trying to show them this wonderful time in this wonderful cosmopolitan city are just rude, obnoxious, sarcastic asshats. The 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 tourists go into a catatonic state. It's an oh actual, my God, that's an actual diagnosable disease, or not disease, uh, you know, syndrome. And that's why I like France. <laughs> so rude, it makes people ill. The one thing I like about France. <clears throat> is the fact that they're probably proud of that. That does make me feel like I should love France, <laughs> to be honest. Like, oh, yeah, sarcastic and proud of being sarcastic? I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. It's interesting. Uh, obsession with royal families and obsession with France is kind of something that shows up in numerous uh, American kid and young adult media, especially in the 80s and 90s. Anyway, have we tackled this book, do we think? Anything else you want to say? I think so. Fuck Lucy, fuck Thunder, fuck Ted, fuck Elizabeth, fuck horses in general in Sweet Valley. Just fuck everything except for the ecology bit. There, I recapped it. Dove goes boom, finally. Shall we move on to Bleak Valley? Indeed. why all the horse stuff is shit in this book and other horse books in Sweet Valley? It's because Bleak Valley Elizabeth doesn't know shit about horses. You're lucky that she knows they have four legs, a mane, and a tail. True. She's got a picture of a horse, but it isn't actually a horse. It's a duck. And that's where she gets confused. <laughs> nice. I would say she has a picture of a unicorn. It just pretends it's a horse <laughs> without the horn. <laughs> so has anyone got any big theories about this book with bleak valley that was my theory <laughs> elizabeth thinks she loves horses she knows shit about horses and then we get books like this also there was some big spill upstairs she got in super trouble maybe beaten up a little over it uh now she's trying to save things in her story the oil spill was a spill that she caused yes or that someone caused that she got blamed for yeah i'd say it's doesn't easily come off and so every Ooh, time someone walks idea. past it they're like liz this is your fault even though it wasn't anything to do with her and she, right you she know. certainly doesn't yeah. have nail polish yeah she doesn't even have a real picture of a horse she has a magazine cutting so of a duck that's true <laughs> to be fair sweet molly elizabeth didn't have a real picture of a horse either she had a magazine cutting. it's true I'm not going to shed any tears um, for Elizabeth's lack of privilege. Just FYI. So if the oil spill is a nail varnish mishap, what's Whiskers? Elizabeth. Bleak Valley Elizabeth is Whiskers. Yes. She's trying to save herself and she's the one that's been beaten and in pain. So she becomes this animal that's near death that someone has to save. And to point out that it's Jessica, her amazing beloved alter ego if you will that does everything right and rules sweet valley that's the person who saves whiskers i.e bleak valley elizabeth 
she needs Jessica to save her, even if it's just in this story that she tells herself. Jessica's always the one that's forging ahead and having these things, and she's beaten and and in pain and being blamed for things she needs someone to save her who better than jessica and to expand on that um the week before last carnival ghost where we theorized that it represented um an attempted suicide or at least a very considered suicide so this is just an extension of it like i think she's getting really hopeless now and it doesn't matter that you know, it was just nail polish, you know, which is very common and every day, you know, I'm sure a gin soaked Alice constantly burns cigarette holes in, you know, the carpet or the sofa or whatever. But things have just gone on so much that she's now getting really hopeless. And it's just one more thing she can't deal with. And again, she needs her imaginary best friend to save her. Yeah, I like that carry on. I also like the fact that we've gone into Bleak Valley and we are just entirely concentrating on the (laughs) B-plot. Well, no, I started out by saying Elizabeth knows jack shit about horses. Yeah, that's not not really a Bleak bleak Valley theory, is it? That's just like like a a comment. (laughs) Knows fuck all about horses. Done. Drop the mic. Let's go. She likes horses. They're entertaining. She knows jack shit about them. That's when we get our horse plot. (laughs) What about something like um, Bleak Valley Elizabeth could be Ted in this, in that she's broken. Maybe she's actually hurt herself or something. She sprained her ankle because she got pushed down the stairs by the sibling or, you know, um, uh, by Alice when she was drunk. And her worth is thunder. Because she can no longer do anything and and she can't go and help them clean or she can't do the chores that she's been assigned, then she's just being belittled by the rest of the family even more than usual. What use are you? We should get rid of you. And therefore, she needs somebody else like Lucy to come in and save her, almost save her self-esteem by coming in and doing the things that she can't do maybe maybe something like that hmm. i can see that i think that's a good theory and of course since it doesn't happen in bleak valley she has to give herself the win in sweet valley that someone does come along and even though they're scared and they're been in hurt before they still find a way to power through which is something that she literally can't do at this moment yeah i like that poor bleak elizabeth Kind of a bigger question, bigger Bleak Valley mm-hmm. question. The way we're going with the suicidal thoughts and all of this, is she going to survive us getting through the Sweet Valley Twins books? Because it's kind of looking like she might not. <laughs> I know. I mean, we've got another, like, 12 years of this. I, I'm genuinely worried about her. I mean, because, I mean, the series ends with graduation. Oh, you mean death. <laughs> which is, yeah, the obvious metaphor. Um, although it quickly backtracks. It's like, yay, you've graduated uh, middle school. Uh, Unicorn Club. Wasn't that in middle school? Yeah, shut up. Is pretty much the conversation that went on in Bantam. Uh, in their defense, it is a completely different junior high. They got rezoned. Yeah. That's weird. Interesting. I look forward to seeing that. And then they got rezoned for senior year as well. That seems unlikely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Wakefields are just living in rezoning hell, as far as I That's can tell. True. Also, 
well, I mean, I guess the rezoning made it happen, but it seems weird to me that they rezoned and suddenly there is a junior high because there isn't one at this point. So that's, that's weird to me, but we'll see. I mean, obviously in 20 years, we'll get there. Indeed. The funny thing is Dove can tell us exactly when we'll get there, yes. but yeah. I'm going to exaggerate to 20 years. <laughs> it's all mapped out. Fair enough. So is that Bleak Valley for another week? It is. I think it is. Okay, let's move on to how we would rate this book. The ratings are... Good, meh, bad, and kill it with fire. I personally would rate this... I suppose it evens out at a good. I'd give the horse book a bad... But I really, really like Ecology Jess and all the shit that she gives her family. And the fact that when Elizabeth calls her on it, she's like, what, Elizabeth? I I thought of all people you'd care about the environment, like playing on on, uh, Liz's perfection. So, yeah, I really, really liked that half of it. The horse bit was terrible. So you can only imagine how good, how much I liked the Ecology bit to pull it up to good. That is significantly higher than I expected you to rate this yeah, book. Yeah, agreed. That's because I, it, it's fuck all to do with the horse. Like, literally, if we rip that out, that bit would go down to kill it with fire. I thought so, yeah. And the ecology book would probably just stay in a high good, maybe even stupendous. Hmm, but it would need to be bigger stupendous. Hmm. It would have needed to be the A plot, yeah. that's fair. All right, Raven, what about you? I think I'm going to... I can sort of see Dove's point, though, about the sort of... the balancing nature of the bad A plot and the good B plot. I'm I'm just going to say meh. I'm going to say mid-meh. Because I don't think I hated the A plot as much as Dove hated the A plot. Because it was just like, oh, horses, yeah, okay. Oh, the horses, they have legs, and they walk around the ring, yeah, okay. And there were some bits that I quite enjoyed, as I say, with Ellen uh, getting her comeuppance at the end of that. But there were things I didn't really like. The epilepsy thing just seemed tacked on, weirdly. It didn't seem to be given as much gravitas as you'd expect. But then, the, the ecology Jess was good. She was fun. And I enjoyed that quite a lot. But overall... It's not a book that I'll be rushing back to reread. So, yeah, a mid-meh. I will give it a high-meh. I would have given it a mid-meh. Then I remembered last episode's book where it was just so forgettable that it just sat at middle-meh because there was nothing to remember about it. And this isn't that, so I have to go with high-meh. But, yeah, still not good or bad. I obviously did not hate the A-plot, the horse plot, as much as Dove because it's not my style of writing, so I just don't give a fuck mostly uh, and i did not love the b plot as much as dub did either so yeah meh hi meh, but meh so the person who had the boom actually gave it the highest rating <laughs> i know How this is that very worth? weird this whole endpoint is is blowing my mind that's how much <laughs> i liked ecology jess i just thought she was lovely i just Good lord that's amazing I'm, i think i mostly rated that as if you had ripped out the lucy parts because like i don't give a shit just zero fucks given. Fair. It just was not anticipating that being where you fell. <laughs> also, we've done so many meh 
I thought it was time to reward something that I had genuinely enjoyed, even though, sadly, it was only one third of a book because, annoyingly, two thirds were devoted to this fucking horse bullshit. And I mean, also, it's good to have the B-plot back, even if it wasn't one you loved this much. We really were feeling it last time when there wasn't actually yeah. a B-plot yeah, that, that is we could true. figure out. So it is, I mean, I'm not going to change my rating, but it was great to see the B-plot actually exist again. Are we all talked out on this book, I guess? I think we are. Well, I'm still in a little bit of shock over your rating. So yeah, I think <laughs> well, I figure I'm, if I keep giving out mares, I may like, look back and go oh no actually that i really liked that bit so it's a bell curve though surely most of them will be meh the one with the outliers that are good and stupendous and well now it's a bell curve had we been rating them like this in the first uh year we did it would be a fucking lie (laughs) (laughs) pretty much everything i did would have been bad or kill it with fire (laughs) so (laughs) but yeah it's generally good stuff now though uh we had the great, amazing Carnival Ghost, and then we've had these other books. So, uh, Dove, <laughs> when does it go high again? Because I need that to look forward to. Sweet Valley High, number 312. Fuck. <laughs> 48's pretty good. Uh, 51's funny. 52, 53. Oh, shit. Oh, we've got to I got her started. Her again. I'm so bad. I'm going to be there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't do it. Don't do it, Dove. Just stop listening. Stop now. Okay. I'm so sorry I set her off, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Dove bot number four initiated. <laughs> I don't think Dove is nearly as entertained as we are. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, that is us done on Lucy Takes the Reins. So, I guess tune in next week. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Sweet Valley Online podcast about book number 45, Lucy Takes the Reins, recorded on 1st of April 2018. You can access all of our past recaps and podcasts at sweetvalley.online, a member of the nostalgicbookshelf.com network. Check us out on facebook.com forward slash sweetvalleyonline or tumblr at sweetvalleyonline.tumblr.com. Our music is supplied by Stuart Taylor and he can be contacted at taylorstuart602 at gmail.com for all of your musical needs. We can be found on Twitter under sweetvalley underscore, which is me, devil's elbow pod, which is wing, and bookshelf underscore raven, which is raven. Next week, we'll be talking about Sweet Valley Twins number 46, Mademoiselle Jessica. Be sure to join us on the 14th of April. Until then, pay for your fucking riding lessons, you fucking slacker. <laughs>